record. Welcome to Real Talk, Real Women. I am Gemma Serenity Gorokov, your host, and today we are welcoming Terry Holmes. Terry Holmes is a money maximizer, a former classroom teacher and college professor. She is now a transformational speaker, best-selling author, trainer, certified leadership coach, realtor, and real estate investment specialist who loves providing knowledge and resources with other women looking to break into real estate and live empowered and liberated lives. She and her real estate investing colleagues teach motivated women around the country how to maximize their money through real estate investing and live a liberated life so they have options and not oppositions when creating their financial future. Welcome, Terry. Thank you so much for being here today. Thank you so much for the invitation, Gemma. I so appreciate it. Thank you very much. All right. My first question for you. As we are on Real Talk, Real Women, we are having real conversations about abuse and breaking free so that we can have an amazing life, right? Yeah. And today's topic is going to be the road from financial abuse to financial freedom, reclaiming your dignity, self-respect, and self-love. Yes. So understanding that frame, first question is, what is your life journey? What kind of fire did you go through that shaped who you are today? That's a great question. Um, so my financial journey, I think that all of us have money blueprints and I sort of think that there are four really common money blueprints. You know, you grow up really poor, you have absolutely nothing. And so you're taught that money is hard to come by. You, you go from, you know, um, it's not paycheck to paycheck because there is no paycheck. And then there's that financial blueprint that says, you know, we're poor, but we're working class poor and we live paycheck to paycheck. We're always waiting for a paycheck to come. And so we grow up believing that there's also not enough and that you have to work so hard to get money. Right. Then there's that mentality where it's a working class family. Um, you grow up knowing that you have enough, but sometimes, you know, you have parents or other folks around you telling you that money is evil. Money is bad. Right. And that only, you know, people with a lot of money um, can't be trusted. So we grow up with these different money blueprints. And I think that the most profound money blueprint is the one when you grow up and you're sitting around the table talking about money. Well, that was not my story, Gemma. <laughs> I grew up in that first money blueprint between the first and the second, but definitely the first. We had nothing. We were poor. We, you know, we're on here in the States, the United States, you know, we're on welfare. Uh, we got government cheese. I got free eyeglasses at school. Um, we were definitely check to check, but it wasn't a paycheck. It was a welfare check. And so my money blueprint was shaped by those initial experiences as a child growing up. And what it did was it created a lot of money shame and a money guilt and really challenging conversations. Uh, money became a challenge. To, that conversation became a challenge to have. And so when I talk about money abuse, and, and just sort of being abused. I married a man when I was in my 40s who was very, I think he had great intentions. He was um, a saver. 
He was an investor. He had, I think he had amazing intentions in terms of what he wanted for himself and what he wanted for us. But he did not know how to convey that because of his own money blueprint, because of what it is that he learned about money. And and so we put so much value on money that we forget to value people. And so my uh, when I talk about money abuse, I ended up marrying someone who made me feel abused in our relationship because he did not know how to convey to me what he was feeling, his angst, his worry, his concerns, because I brought debt into our marriage and he did not have debt. So I brought the debt into the marriage and with me bringing the debt into the marriage and also not divulging some other debts that I had to him, I disrupted his world with my skewed money blueprint and with my inability to be really honest about what my struggles were with money around money. And he had his own, you know, challenges. And so that's where the abuse began. It's very, I mean, okay. I do understand how all of that can really turn into a bitter relationship, something unhealthy, sneaky, twisted, not clear, with lots of emotions of anger, frustration, Mm -hmm. and to release all of that. And then I can imagine some fights like just going on. Yeah, you you broke everything. No, it was you. Oh, you never see me. Or things like that, for sure. But there is a time when... I mean, enough is enough, where you do not accept the status quo anymore. And when you morph into a new version, and that moment can be a instant, a second, a thought. What has it been for you? You know, that idea that enough is enough, what I realize is that I didn't just endure money abuse from him. And I haven't really even talked about what that money abuse looked like. But I also abused myself with, through money. I abused myself in my, um, my spending habits, my saving habits, my investing habits. So I created a situation that made me vulnerable. And all I did was attract someone who I don't want to say preyed on my vulnerabilities, but heightened my vulnerabilities or, um, you know, made them even more, made my vulnerabilities even more heightened. And so we were married for a very short time. But in that time period, I realized that there was emotional, because abuse happens in all sorts of ways. You know, there is physical mental, emotional abuse. Well, I certainly endured emotional abuse around money, what, you know, as it pertained to our, our marriage, our relationship. And it was, it was emotional and mental because of some of the things that he would do. And I came into the relationship. I had finally started to get my money life in order. I was making great money as a classroom teacher, college professor, 
Um, well, I had left college, being a college professor at that time, but I was a classroom teacher. I was speaking. I had just published a book. So I had money on the side. I was doing Airbnb. And I also had a nice income coming in through that. I was making two, $3,000 a month just on Airbnb in addition to my salary. So when I married him, I gave up my financial freedom. I gave it up because I wanted to start a business. And he assured me that he would support me during that time when I was starting that business. And that meant financial support. And when I gave up my financial freedom, I just didn't know what I didn't know. And the financial abuse was him not allowing me to even go to the grocery store by myself, going to the grocery store with me because he had the the debit card and he wouldn't give me the debit card to go by myself. And it felt humiliating. I was humiliated because here I was a 40 something year old woman who had, I had survived all these years by myself, taking care of myself, you know, providing for myself only to get married. And I can't even go to the grocery store with my husband's debit card. You know, that was humiliating. It was, I just couldn't even believe that I went from being what I considered an accomplished woman, a woman who had uh, gone to college, completed a bachelor's degree, did a master's certification at Northwestern University, traveled the world, taught in other countries. Um, I had an honorary doctorate degree that I had just gotten like a year or two before, two years before. Like I had achieved some things. And here I was with someone telling me that because he's the the breadwinner, um, that I can't have access to a debit card, that he has to go with me or sitting beside me, making me, quote unquote, sit beside him every single month to write out the the bills. But like in a very, you're going to sit here and watch me write out the bills. And, And the thing was, is that there was no real reason for it other than control. So I, after, you know, I'm quick to say enough is enough. My enough is enough came very early in the marriage. And I put my foot down and really asserted myself to say, like, this doesn't feel good. I don't like it. I don't feel respected. I don't feel valued. I didn't come into this relationship not knowing anything. I've made it thus far. I'm an intelligent woman. You can't treat me like this. And when I put my foot down and I said that, the marriage was basically over. And I would say good for you. Because (laughs) now you are able to break free from that marriage that did not work at all and to become the money maximizer. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so that came from... My I hired a business coach um, earlier this year, and we were talking about. So I have this this membership, you know, for women, and the membership is all about teaching women how to maximize their money. So I said to her, you know, she was like, "So what is it that you want to do with the membership?" And I said, "Well, I, I said I'm looking to help women maximize their money because I had already been doing this, and women were doing so well that I decided to create the membership." 
And so she called me the money maximizer. And I said, oh my God, right? Like that's what this is about. This is about, my work is about teaching women how to maximize their money, like you said, so that they have options and not opposition when it comes to their financial future. And I find that opposition can come from a myriad of, of, of places. It can come from all sorts of places. But I will tell you, Gemma, that my marriage was the perfect gift for me at that season, that season in my life, that time in my life, because I would not be where I am today teaching and showing women how to leverage their money. I would have never had that. I would have never been confident enough to have that conversation because I struggled with my own money throughout my life. And I didn't really start to get a hold of until right before I got married. And then I got married and the divorce took me through another financial decline. When women divorce, most a a large majority of women end up in financial despair after divorce. They end up in financial ruins after divorce. And that's for several reasons. For one, we're more likely to put our careers on hold for marriage. So now I've put my career on hold. I haven't been working. I've been taking care of a family, taking care of my husband. So I don't have the credentials to go back into the workplace. I haven't saved up money. For two, we're more likely to put our lives and careers and everything on hold to be caretakers in our families. So not only do we are we caretakers for our husband and our children when they need us, but we become caretakers for our parents, our grandparents, our spouse's parents and their grandparents and whomever else. So now that also further uh, puts us in a situation where we're dependent upon our, our mates, our husbands, if we're not in the workforce working. So if I had not married my ex-husband, I would not be having these conversations that I'm having today about money because it was money that gave us our biggest challenge, but it was the, but it was that challenge that grew me to be the woman that I am today that we now call the money maximizer. (laughs) The story. Thank you for sharing your vulnerability, your experience, your life journey. It is certainly very inspiring for our audience, for sure. Wow. (laughs) Amazing. So the road from financial abuse to financial freedom, reclaiming your dignity, self-respect, and self-love is basically the title of your life. It is. It totally is. Yes, yes, because where I am now, I am, I am not the woman pretending to have it together at this point. I, what I am is I am a very powerful woman in, in so many other ways that benefit other women. What I'm not afraid to do is in the way in which the membership works and my Facebook community, Women Building Wealth Through Real Estate, is that I'm willing to call the guy who owns $70 million in real estate assets and say, hey, can you come and speak and teach us? I'm willing to do that. And in fact, I did that. We had a, a, um, Clive Davis was one of our trainers um, uh, about a month ago. And I reached out to him on a cold call. 
This guy owns $70 million worth of real estate assets, right? He's a former attorney in New York City, Wall Street attorney, former, um, you know, just a financial guy all the way around. And so many other people will be intimidated and afraid to have that conversation, afraid to reach out to that guy. Well, I reached out to that guy. And so that's my superpower. That's my strength. That's what I'm able to do. I'm able to leverage relationships and bring women the type of people who can teach them. So I don't do all the teaching. I am a certified life coach and I will coach you to achieve your goals, to reach past your self-limiting you know, beliefs. I will coach you to do all of that. But the knowledge of how we teach women how to maximize their money through real estate, that comes from my ability to tap into my network, to go outside my network, and to bring women dynamic speakers, educators, trainers, and real estate investors who are going to pour into them and teach them what I absolutely do not know, but I am also a student in the process with the women in my membership and in our Facebook community. That is absolutely gorgeous because you recognize your strengths, you recognize your weakness, you recognize your ability, you offer these opportunities, you know the threats. I mean, yes. you are all set. Yes. And yes. that is beautiful. And being all set does not mean you know it all. It means you yes. know what resources and where to allocate resources. Absolutely. This is what it actually needs. I know what I know, and I'm not afraid to say what I don't know. And I think that the moment that we're afraid to say what we don't know, we become disempowered. Your power and your strength and another superpower is in saying what I don't know and then bringing the right people on board who know what you don't know. And when I first started putting together the, the membership group and I started putting together, um, so the membership group is called Maximize My Money Club and it's on my website. Um, we have a wait list right now. But when I first started, when I had the idea to put together the Maximize My Money Club, I was, I was doubtful. I was doubting myself. Now I had, I had, I had coach women around getting real estate properties. I'm a real estate, I'm a real estate agent and I had invested myself. And even though I had all those accomplishments and I, and I know I had helped women get their own uh, real estate and, and not just women, men as well. And what people were like, wow, Teray, you know, you share great information. Um, you're such a resource. I, I learned this. I was able to, you know, get that. I still had imposter syndrome because I was still discrediting myself. And so many of the women listening today, you know, when, when they listen to this podcast, they're going to be able to relate that even with everything that we know, even with all we've accomplished, we still doubt what we can bring to the table. And there was that day, I remember I was um, going through the, creating the membership, putting everything together. And there was this voice that was just like, you know, why you? And, you know, how can you do this? You, you don't own millions of dollars of real estate. You don't have, you know, X amount of dollars in the bank. And there was a voice that answered back. And that voice that answered back said, why not you? You're the one who the, who the blessing was given to. You're the one who received the message. You are the one who has the excitement and the passion and the commitment to do it. You're the one who has 
accomplish more things that you're willing to recognize and or acknowledge and or just say out loud. Why not you? You are the best person for this job at this particular time in, in, in life. You are the best person for it. And if you don't believe it, who else will? And that was it. These are <laughs> divine words. Yeah, I recognize, I recognize the, the divine nature of this conversation between mm -hmm. the lower self, like who am I to do to things that, and, being, and, and with the higher self, with the higher mm -hmm. power, empowering you to be all that you can be. Absolutely. From the day that divorce happened, it, that was in uh, March of 2017, I was on a mission to never be in that position again where I gave over my power to someone else through my finances. But I was on a bigger mission to empower other women to not believe the hype and the story that some Prince Charming is coming to save you. You are your own rescue. You are the one who is, you are the savior of yourself. And the moment that you stop believing that is the moment that you become completely powerless. And we have to know that you don't have to have a, a BA, MA, uh, MFA, a PhD, you don't have to have any of that to be your own rescue. Every single thing that we have has been given to us divinely so that we can, can take care of and fend for ourselves truly, truly. I don't care what your skill set is. There's something in you that allows you to be able to tap into that and make something out of nothing. And, you know, I see these beautiful trees behind you. And I always tell people that if God can take care of the birds and the bees, why not me? The birds and the bees do not fret over where their food is coming from. They don't fret over um, where their, their safety and security is coming from, right? The, the, they've been given, the birds were given the trees, the bees were given flowers, right? Like every single animal on this planet was given food, shelter, and protection should they, you know, if they need it. Every single animal. Well, we're no different. We were put here and given every single thing we need. But the moment that we think that we don't have enough is the moment that we do ourselves a, a huge disservice. Exactly. This is the moment we choose to cut our relationship with the divine. And this is the moment we choose to let ourselves down. Absolutely. And as a consequence, we let all our family down and all the other stakeholders down. We do. Because it's just because of that thought, by reframing that thought. Yes. And it is yeah. only one thought. Am I enough or am I not? Of course, you are beyond enough. Beyond, beyond. that. Oh, God. Only enough. No, enough is not enough. Okay. Let's, <laughs> I mean, let's recognize who we are. Let's recognize that we are the magic. We are the magic, the X factor, the magic ingredients. I love that. We are the magic. 
Like we absolutely are the magic. And when I realized, I went to, one day I was driving through, so I live in the um, greater DC area, just out of DC, I'm in Maryland. And I was up in Baltimore. I went up there for a conference, went up there for something. I don't even know what the heck I went up there for. And I came across this woman. It was like divine intervention. And I ended up seeing this woman who was speaking there and speaking at a hotel in, in, in Baltimore. And I just went into the hotel and bought a ticket and just went into the event. And I can't remember all the details of how it happened, but I knew I was supposed to be there. The moment I walked into that door, I knew I was supposed to be there. And when I walked in, I remember something that she said, and I'll never forget it. And I've never forgotten it. She asked the audience, she said, what is money? And everybody said, you know, they gave their all these different things, you know, money. And I think she said, how, how do you create money? It was something like that. And she was, people said things like, you know, you work for money, you do this, you do that. And all this, these different things, you know, that seemed logical. But she broke this down and she said, money is words, are words, or is words. Money is created through words. Money is created through the words that you use as a marketer, the words that you use to convey whatever it is that you're selling. Every single day we're selling something. We're, and, and, the, and the most important thing we're selling is ourselves, is, is ourselves. So I don't care if, you know, if you're in, uh, if you're a waitress in a restaurant or you're a, 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 the top selling real estate agent, you're selling yourself because that waitress won't get great tips if she doesn't sell herself to be friendly and, and hospitable and, ser- you know, and, and of service. And that real estate agent won't get clients either. And so the moment that I realized that when she said, you know, money is nothing but words, the creation of money is nothing but words. The gift that we have is to be able to sell and convey and convince people if it's buying into our businesses, if it's buying into who we are and what we bring to the table and a job and employment, you know, when you when you're going into a, a negotiation situation, you're not you're negotiating. You don't take what they offer you the first the first thing they offer you. You come knowing what you want and deserve. And so, so many times as women, we think that. I'll, I'll take what I'm given. And we don't take what we're given. We take what we deserve. We take what we ask for. We take what we demand. We, that, that's what we get. And so in life, you get what you ask for. You get what you demand. You get what you deserve if you think you deserve it. Exactly. So, if you believe. You get you what believe, you believe. get what you believe. You get what you believe. Yes. Mm-hmm. And not what other people think you deserve, but what you believe you deserve for your contribution to the world, for your contribution to your work. And so, you know, going back to why I created um, the Maximize Your Money Club and why real estate specifically. So the club is primarily for African-American women, but any woman can join because I don't discriminate in terms of what woman joins us. But the reason why it's primarily for African-American women is because African-American women, and I want to, um, to share this with you today, according to Goldman Sachs, 
Black women in the U.S. hold 90% less wealth than white men. 90% less wealth than white men. And if they're... Yeah. And, and, and then there was an, uh, the Urban Institute. It's a nonprofit research institution and it provides data and evidence to help advance upward mobility and equity. They said black women make up the highest percentage of heads of households in the U.S. at 60.2 percent. In 1990, it was 50.2 percent and they still were the heads of households. So what does that mean for finances? It means that the wealth gap it exists because of a lack of real estate. Real estate has made more millionaires in our country. It's the fastest way to become a millionaire in our country is through real estate. And so if I am a black woman and I own 90% less wealth than my white male counterpart and less wealth than everyone else, and I am also the, the top heads of household to be the heads of household, that means that you have to be uh, be the number one bread earner in the house. So you have to uh, provide half of the um, expenses in the house. You have to have dependents, so people depending on you, and you have to be unmarried or recently divorced. So I'm the head of household. That means I'm everyone in that house is solely dependent upon me and I have less wealth than everybody in the country, that's why this work is important to me. That's why women need to maximize their money. Whatever little bit of money you have, you need to maximize it to create more wealth, not for you, for your children, your community, and the world at large. Because when women have wealth, they do amazing things. It has been proven over and over again. Yes. Indeed. Indeed. Mm -hmm. Because we think in a way that is really benefiting the highest goals, the whole. And we are not just taken back by our competition or our desire to be better or showing off that we are the greatest, the bigger, the stronger, whatever. We, we, we do not have that. We have this camaraderie, this collegial yes. approach to community that allows us women as a entire entity to much better manage money and manage even politics and manage even people, of course. Absolutely. We manage people. We manage households. If you are a mother and you have more than one child, (laughs) you are managing things, right? And you could be, you could consider yourself a poor manager. Maybe you don't do the best, but being a mother makes you a manager. You got to manage what people eat. You have to manage what food comes into the house. So resources, you have to manage time when people get here, when dropping off this kid here and picking up that kid there and then getting to work yourself. Like you are a manager of resources, people and, 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 and resources, you know? And so I, I can't imagine women thinking that I'm not enough. I don't have any skills. We have skills, we have resources. And so that's why, when I came into that marriage and I didn't feel like I was a partner in the decisions of of that household, I knew all the things I had done to manage my own life. I wasn't destitute. I wasn't, you know, I wasn't living under a rock or under a bridge when he found me. I was living on my own. You know, I was bringing in at that time, I was literally bringing in six figures. 
on my own. Absolutely. And so to give that up, to marry someone, then to be treated as if my opinion has no value because I don't bring in the money. That is what so many women feel in their households um, because I've, I've spoken with them because money is such a taboo subject and money talk is such a, um, it, it goes back to that, my earlier example of money blueprints. What was your money blueprint as a kid? If you and your spouse have similar money, money blueprints, those blueprints could be around trauma. They could be money blueprints created out of trauma around money. But if he has a very strong money blueprint and you have a, you know, a, a, a blueprint that's not so strong, there's an opportunity to learn from each other. Because sometimes when we don't have money, great money blueprints, we learn to be more resourceful. We learn how to penny pinch and we learn how to you know, survive on less. We learn this. So there's an asset even still if you don't have an amazing money blueprint, you still learn some things that people with a lot of money could stand to learn from you. Definitely. It's correct. It's right. There is a way to reach out to you. It's simply your name, terryholmes.com. Yes, it's terryholmes.com. T-E-R-R-E, Holmes as in Sherlock.com. <laughs> or they can reach out. Uh, I would love for the ladies to look at joining the Facebook community, Women Building Wealth Through Real Estate. Um, I am on Facebook, The Teray Holmes, and on Instagram, at Teray Holmes. Um, so would love to connect. I'm rolling out a new book soon, Life and Love Lessons. You know, uh, it's actually a rewrite of my previous book. So they can find my books on the website. Um, also, Upfront, an Entrepreneur's Quick Start Guide. That book will help them if they're in the beginning stages of starting a business or they've been in business for a few years and didn't really set it up correctly. That book is amazing. Everyone who gets it, they're able to really look at, you know, how to set up the business or what to do differently if you already have it set up. So a lot of resources for women. Um, and uh, and yeah, and that's it. And I, I'm grateful for you for this opportunity to speak to you, to speak to your audience. And hopefully your audience will get value out of what has been shared. I know I did just having this conversation with you is always, it's an exchange. And I appreciate the exchange today. Definitely, so do I. Thank you so, so much. And I loved having been, been interviewed on your uh, podcast as well. And I look forward to this publication as well. It's like, I mean, absolutely, it's a give and take. It's a real exchange. And I really appreciate that too. Thank you very Thank much. You. Thank you. I appreciate it. All right. Thank you. Bye-bye for now. Thank you.